it's the Pittsburgh Oddcast. Welcome, everybody, back to the Pittsburgh Oddcast. My name is Andrew Lindbergh. I'm the producer of the program. And with me, as always, is Mr. Odd, John Chalkowski. Well, hello, everybody. So we left off last time talking about Westinghouse and his accomplishments with uh, the natural gas industry and the air brake and, and all these different railroad kind of improvements and technologies that he was doing and, and seeking out people um, that were better than himself to come and work for him and uh, work under him and achieve the future goals together. And that one person is going to lead us to Nikola Tesla. 1882, Edison makes these incandescent light bulbs. He strikes a deal with New York City to power the entire city. Okay. Uh, a contract which anybody would not back down from. You don't pass that up. No. Yeah. It was, you know, and it's all powered by this direct current. Um, annoyingly building these coal-fed substations every single mile. Okay, completely not efficient whatsoever, but it worked. And uh, not too many people were complaining. Um, but the next year, okay, so um, next year after Westinghouse finds this natural gas coming through his house and uh, his yard or whatever, he, he, he starts reading up on this electricity problem that America's having and and uh, and all the different potentials for it. And he sees this, these British inventors, okay, these two guys named Goulard and Gibbs, and, and they know that there's power that is stronger than direct current, and that is alternating current. It's not like Tesla invented alternating current. Alternating current has been a concept since the early, early 1800s. 1802, people were talking about alternating current. So uh, Westinghouse himself was extremely knowledgeable about this fact and studied it and knew all about alternating currents, was trying to find an efficient way that you could send a, a large amount of voltage you know, through long distances, not just a mile now, but, you know, a few hundred miles. You know, how could you do this? And he knew that he knew how to do it. The problem was he didn't know how to back down that power once it got to somewhere. So, like, you could feed it from this, a central power supply station, feed it through wires, and it could be super strong power, you know, 20,000 volts or whatever it is. Um, but how do you reduce it down? And he thought back to when he had his gas fields. Okay, and how you can create a reducing or a reduction valve before electricity instead of for gasoline. And volts essentially is pressure. It's how much volume of electricity you're sending from one place to another is what volts are. These two British inventors, these Goulard and Gibbs, came up with this concept of a thing they called a transformer. Now, I'm not talking about Optimus Prime or Bumblebee. But these aren't robots in disguise. <laughs> that's right. These are uh, an actual little thing, which is very similar to the one that you currently see hanging from your telephone pole today. Uh, that concept was created right then and there. Uh, Westinghouse immediately bought up the patent to that, paid them a good sum of money, too, to do it, brought it to Pittsburgh, and started tinkering with it himself. He said there has to be a way to make this more efficient and even better than what they were doing. Meanwhile... We go to a different side. Well, we go back to New York City, okay? Uh, a young inventor, okay, young man. Uh, this time, you know, early 20s, uh, named Nikola Tesla, born in Croatia. Okay, well, today is Croatia. Comes to America. Uh, you know, he's a, an electrical engineer over in Europe, and specifically Paris by this time, and runs into somebody who works at the Edison factory. And uh, this guy presents him, you know, famously with this letter that says, 
to, for him to give to Thomas Edison when he comes to America, saying there's only two inventors in this world, you know, who are two great men or whatever. The man, you are one of them, and the man standing in front of you is the other. <laughs> and so it was a good letter of recommendation. Uh, meanwhile, it was like culture shock when Tesla got here. Yeah, he showed up to the Edison factory. There was 100 people in the one room, all of them busy engineers, filthy, dirty, uh, not exactly what Tesla imagined when he came here. He thought he was going to be some kind of lead engineer or lead electrical engineer. He was just another random person. And the story always went that Edison jokingly told him, that, like, hey, if you could solve these so many problems here, I'll give you 50 grand. Uh, and, and you, you know, you'd be on your way. Uh, so uh, Tesla, of course, being Tesla, did these accomplishments, goes to Edison, tells him, uh, hey, I did what you asked me to do. I'd like my 50 grand now since you, you said this. And Edison, you know, joked and laughed in his face and said, oh, you just don't understand American humor. And, and I was just joking. <laughs> so he said, oh, yeah, well, I quit. So he quits. He has a you know hard time getting work. Uh, he most famously started literally digging ditches in New York City, um, although it wasn't a, a complete sob story. So uh, the technology that he was tinkering with in, in uh, at Edison, he was able to kind of convince some investors to invest in him and form the Tedis, uh, the the Tesla Electric Company. Okay, in 1885. Through that, he was able to give a presentation to this uh, engineering group, okay, where Westinghouse happened to be present. In this, he claims that he's perfected AC power with a polyphase alternating current system, right? And uh, So an AC light bulb goes off in yeah. George Westinghouse's mind. Yeah, exactly, an, an actual light bulb. <laughs> so the uh, he goes, well, I need to get this guy to Pittsburgh. I need to get this guy here and, and working for me. I need to convince him to build these machines. This is exactly what I need to to cut down that power source and to have a constant good supply of power. That's what polyphase is. It's a a reoccurring I can't get too technical about it because it's all math really, you know, when it comes down to it, but through electromagnetic power basically and coils, you're able to uh, you know, uh send electricity uh to another location, but at the time, there was only single phase and double phase, and it wasn't really strong and strong enough. This polyphase was the one we were looking for. It's the one that we're using to this day. It's the one that powers all the lights in your house. That's the polyphase AC uh, system, um, and the generators that came out of it, and the and the and the transformers. Through this power, he also had a person at his shop. Uh, this man named William Stanley, right, come up with the idea for an electric meter, okay, that could measure the voltage that was coming into your house and could, you know, charge people for it per volt. Uh, now, Westinghouse's idea was not all about money, but other people's were. And to, 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 in order to create these inventions, he needed the capital to do it. All that capital went right back into the company. Um, while he was rich, he wasn't, uh, you know, uh, he didn't seem like it. You know, he he was... They say he never owned any writing utensil of his own. He'd always borrow other people's pencils. Okay, everything we ever wrote was borrowed from borrowed pencils. Um, every person that worked for him, uh, there was lower death rates in his factories because of the way that he treated the people uh, through safety concerns. Um, at his factories in that time period, the 1880s, he was able to uh, create what today we would call the weekend. Right, and he came up with the idea for uh, half day on Saturday and Sundays off. 
that was that was unlike anything else. Revolutionary. Yeah, it was fifty five hour work week is what the Westinghouse employee had at the time. Uh you go work at Carnegie Steel, you're 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 looking working seven days seven. a week, twenty four hours a day, you know, practically. And uh it was not uh you died in the job, oh well, you died. You know, you want to raise, oh well, you know. Um uh Westinghouse was, he was pro- like Coach Tomlin, next man up. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, Westinghouse had these ideas to kind of, you know, with a happy workplace, a work environment, people will work better for you and will want to work for you. And uh, he created the, by the time he had enough money, which was right this time period, 1885, 1886, he was able to um, build his own village, his own town in Wilmerding, PA, in East Pittsburgh, okay, which is the evolution also of KDKA, oddly enough. Uh, it's because of the fact that he decided to go to this town and start building up this village and mainly all for his workers and their families. He created a pension when that was unheard of. If people were hurt in the job, like died or whatever, the family was made sure to get actual benefits. Um, you know, there were rent-to-own homes you know, where you could actually own a home at a reasonable price and not be overcharged for it. He gave you actually actual money for work instead of script or something like that, like working in a coal mine or for the railroads or for steel companies. And uh, it revolutionized the way workforces for uh, would be for the rest of the world. And um, it, it, it's interesting. So Westinghouse reaches out to Tesla. Tesla agrees. He says, okay, I'll come to Pittsburgh. Okay, Tesla at this time is 31 years old. Westinghouse, 41. They're 10 years apart. Okay, it's all the, the, the different age difference. And uh, he starts working immediately on these AC generators and perfects them. Okay, he stays here in Pittsburgh at a couple different locations. One uh, at the Monongahela House Hotel. Another place was Solitude, George Westinghouse's house. <laughs> but uh, the 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 servants and the maids and whatever were so freaked out by Tesla and just how bizarre and weird he was that they felt uncomfortable with him living at the house. So they kicked him out, <laughs> and he ended up living in this place called the Hotel Duquesne, downtown Pittsburgh. He's listed in the city directory of 1889. Uh, which is kind of cool, you know, to see like Nikola Tesla. Well, you know, I could have gone and visited him. <laughs> so uh, now Tesla himself was not uh, in public. He was a very charming and very nice guy. I mean, he was very um, professional looking and always, uh, uh, you know, uh, kept a good mannerisms and people generally liked them. Yeah, know? he they, he wanted to be a man about town. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was the best dressed guy at Delmonico's in New York, you know, later in life. Uh, Westinghouse. Meanwhile, would refuse to even have a picture taken of him, let alone give a public statement of any sort. And, and that and that also is a difference between Edison and Westinghouse is that Edison did most of the things that he did because he wanted the publicity. He wanted to be famous. He wanted to be America's greatest inventor, the great, greatest ever. Okay, this is what his dream was. Uh, every f- film footage that exists of him, uh, you can see he's just like angry all the time, just yelling at people, just angry. Just it just looks so miserable, and um, it's it's interesting when he looked at it, the direct comparison to, to Westinghouse and just his personality. And uh, you know, Westinghouse was a big man, you know, that big walrus-looking mustache, you know, and uh, but also was a charmer, and uh, he he could talk to people about anything there was to talk about, and uh, was interested in ideas. Um. Another curious fact about Tesla when he was here that I found in the newspapers uh, just today, actually, when I was kind of getting ready for the story, was uh, the Johnstown flood happens in 1889 while Tesla's here in Pittsburgh, right? And there's a relief fund. 
Well, sure enough, they list the names in the newspapers of people that just around town who donated money, and Tesla himself donated $200 to the Johnstown flood <laughs> relief. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't think any biographer knows this. So um, pretty cool stuff. So when he came here, right, like we said, Tesla was a ditch digger, right? He was, uh, you know, almost penniless. Uh, he had a little bit of money, to, enough to stay in a hotel, but that's pretty much it. Um, what kind of deal do you think Westinghouse gave him? for these uh for coming here and working here. Now, don't forget Westinghouse bought Tesla's patents. So Tesla patented all that stuff but then Westinghouse bought it. Um how much do you think he bought it for? I'm assuming a fair amount. Yeah, in 1888 money, he bought it for $60,000. Uh that's the equivalent of 1.4 million dollars today. Instantly making Tesla a millionaire overnight. He also makes him a deal that he'll pay him $2,000 a month. <laughs> while being here in Pittsburgh, that's $45,000 a month equivalent. So, so what happens? <laughs> so uh, they also make a deal, by the way, for every horsepower that's generated by these AC generators, that for every single horsepower generated, $2.50 would go to Tesla for every horsepower. <laughs> so um, they created machines that were, had 3,000 horsepower or 5,000 horsepower, the, the Niagara Falls one, which we'll talk about. But Tesla famously uh, spent his money. Like, he didn't care about money. Just like Westinghouse. didn't really care. Like, he didn't have a concept of, uh, well, Westinghouse knew what money was worth and knew that, you know, how to invest in things. Tesla did not. He did not realize that, oh, hey, maybe I should save some money and, uh, and not blow it all in building a giant Tesla coil. He was uh, like MC Hammer. And that's exactly what it was. I'm not going to say Tesla was the MC Hammer of his time, but... Yes, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened with the Tesla. So, like, he he blew all of his money, blew it all, and and spent a good remainder of his life, uh, almost basically homeless. And uh, we'll talk a little bit later about Westinghouse, the company's involvement with Tesla later in life, because it was interesting how the relationship did not end after Westinghouse died. Tesla is with Westinghouse. He stays here for a full year, just about. Um, he. Goes to Europe on a trip, I find, in August of 1889. And the news, Pittsburgh newspapers actually report there was a, they received a letter from somebody in New York claiming that Tesla died in January of 1889 and that he was not be able to fo- be found, which I found pretty surprising. And Westinghouse said, like, they have no idea what you're talking about, but it was pretty bizarre uh, because he was just here. Um, but I thought that was just a weird oddity I found in the newspapers as well. Um, I don't know if anyone ever investigated that or what's going on or, you know. Uh, so, anyways, they, uh, they 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 started after this idea of the AC power generating, you know, um, the 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 uh, what do you call it, the generators and also the uh, transformer supplies. It was pretty clear that the future of electricity was going to be with AC power, and this made Edison flip his lid. He freaked out, <laughs> all right? He, while inventing all these other things, light bulb and, the, and uh, you know, the phonograph and the dictaphone and all these other things that he was doing, um, considered electricity his forte and his main investment, you know, with the Edison Electric Company. And uh, it was heavily supplied on DC power. In fact, most of his employees were telling him, like, look, you should probably look into AC power because it's is going to be the future. He's like, no, no, no. You know, DC power is where it's at. And, and this is when he goes on these public displays. Yeah, and so he decides to uh, have uh, what 
we now know as the Battle of the Currents or the War of the Currents and um, goes on the kind of like this public campaign of bashing Westinghouse specifically, not Tesla. Tesla's just the guy, you know, who was there. Tesla was gone already, in fact, by the time uh, this was all going on. I mean, he was only here for a year, then he left and did his own thing, uh, in, you know, in New York. Edison was heavily doing this campaign specifically against George Westinghouse and Westinghouse Company of Pittsburgh. And uh, by doing crazy public displays like electrocuting an elephant. A dog. A dog. He, he hired a guy. That's all he did was go around and give tours of electrocuting dogs and cats live on stage. <laughs> didn't he? Didn't Edison create the electric? Yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the biggest one, you know, was the fact that he made sure that the electric chair that, that he helped invent uh, was powered specifically. Now, there was other AC generators out there he could have used, but specifically this one was done by Westinghouse. And uh, to show people that, yes, you could kill a man with electricity and that it was not a safe format of electricity. Meanwhile, he was so wrong. It was it's laughable now. But back then, I mean, people didn't know who to trust. They say, well, you know, who am I gonna, I'm gonna, of course, I'm going to trust Edison, Edison. Right. He invented yeah, the light bulb. <laughs> his name is on everything I have in my house. He's on every single light bulb there is. In fact, he owned the patent to the light bulb. Um, so when the. Finally, Chicago is having the World's Fair. The, the the they called it the World's Columbian Fair, which was cause it, it celebrated the anniversary of Christopher Columbus. Okay, and it was going to be the, one of the biggest events in all, you know, Chicago's history and in World Fair history. And uh, they wanted to power the entire thing with electricity. They reached out to both Edison and Westinghouse to come do this because they needed the light bulbs from Edison, and they needed the power from Westinghouse. And they fought over it and fought over it until finally Westinghouse decided to undercut them by over a half a million dollars and take a hit on it, basically. Make no profit from the thing whatsoever. Um, so soon soon afterwards, right, after hearing this news, Edison flipped out and sued Westinghouse for patent infringement on the light bulb. Okay? Uh, and, it was, and it won in court. Now, unbeknownst to him, there was other types of light bulbs, including a glass one that had like a glass cork in it with these like little two prong things kind of like what you see in like fluorescent lights today and uh westinghouse happened to own the patent of that and that predated the general electric and the and the light bulb so they used that <laughs> now it wasn't as good okay yeah. as the incandescent light bulb but it worked and uh they didn't need them anymore in fact westinghouse had to create a brand new factory that did nothing but make glass and and make these glass light bulbs that's all they did all day long and he hired you know a thousand people to do it oh, is that why <laughs> pittsburgh's a glass city he, that was just one of the reasons. This is another. It goes to show you another example of what Westinghouse needed to do to get a project done. Like he was like, "Yo, I need light bulbs. Well, I'm just gonna make a factory and get hire some people, and we'll just make the light bulbs." You know now. So like, uh, meanwhile, don't forget he's still doing all this air brake stuff and all these other different things. I mean, he had a many many patents and many many inventions. Um, however. With the success of, and he hired Tesla back, okay, so this is 1893, um, and, and he hired Tesla to come be like a consultant on the project to build these gigantic motors, AC, AC generated motors, and to power this entire World's Fair. Once they turn the light bulb on, okay, with the President of the United States comes there and does this, it was like the greatest thing anyone's ever seen. <laughs> I mean, there was fountains, you know, with colored lights shooting, you know, stuff. There was, everything was powered electric. It was like supposed to show you what the future was going to look like and it was all true and it was all done by westinghouse in fact the whole machinery hall was just filled with nothing but westinghouse names everywhere and um 
you went in there, was, there was no doubt that you're going to know who he was, what his name was, and how this whole thing was powered, and essentially won the big War of the Currents with that single event. Um, that same year is the year that they passed into law that all trains should have air brake systems. So, like, he, like, hit a double win that year in 1893. Um, the very following year, right, they said, well, you're so good at Chicago, uh, you know, we've been trying to harness the power of Niagara Falls for the last hundreds of years, <laughs> right, since they've discovered Niagara Falls. People have been trying to harness that power. Um, again, Tesla uh, Edison comes in. He's like, look, you know, I can do this for you real cheap and all this type of stuff. And Westinghouse comes in and says, you know what, I can do it cheaper and better and faster, more efficient, and brings in Tesla once again, comes and hires him, and they build the the dynamos and the and the uh, the, the electricity uh, ways to invent a new thing called hydroelectric power, uh, which was able to, from the force of the water itself, power the machines, which would light an entire city, which is Buffalo, New York, nearby. Once people saw that... You could do something like that. They knew that there was no question that everything was going to be AC power within a year. Now, the funny thing is not everybody had was a fan of electricity. So 1907, take a whopping guess how many homes had electricity in their house, houses. 1907. 1907. So that's a, that's a while. It's almost 20, you know, 15, 20 years. 20%. 8% of homes in the United States had electricity. Eight percent. In fact, electricity didn't really catch on until the advent of radio, until the mid nineteen twenties and thirties. The people start finally coming into getting their houses wired. Is this, is this because people were afraid? No, it was because of there was a well. Well, they were able to prove that it was safe and effective means of electrical transportation to to power your home. It's just that a lot of it had to do with logistics, like how are you going to set up these substations, how are you going to get the wires to there installed, and it takes time. Um, rural America took a little bit longer, you know, and, um, it, it's interesting how you see the future of that and how that's still going on today. Like with the, uh, uh, the hurricane that hit Puerto Rico and all those people without power, you know, how are you going to get power back to all these people? You know, that's AC power. We're talking about the same technology. How are you going to power that to all these citizens? Uh, while the better solution today, solar power, <laughs> wind power, you know, the, the things that are natural, uh, out there, uh, like the water power, you know, uh, but something along those means, uh, which is funny because the person who was led the charge in doing that was Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, right? So the, um, which we'll get to about in a minute here. So the, uh, pretty soon after that, okay. Um, Tesla, the, uh, the man, uh, starts seeing that Westinghouse himself was investing so much capital into his own companies to get this thing off the ground that it was becoming hard for him to pay the royalties to Tesla himself. This $2.50 a horsepower charge that he was in his royalty package or whatever, which was worth millions of dollars. Okay, uh, he uh, Westinghouse came to Tesla and said, hey, look, man, I, I just can't, you know, I, I'm going to need to at least put it on hold for a bit or uh, you know, I don't hope you hope you mind, you know, that I, I just can't pay you at the moment. And, and Tesla said, it's okay. And he ripped up the contract, you know, and, uh, because he, he, he knew that Westinghouse had the vision to carry this kind of idea of AC power to the future. And, um, it was what Tesla was missing. He didn't have the business sense. He knew he had the knowledge. He just didn't have the business sense. And this is when he goes on and trusts JP Morgan. Yeah. 
And so he, whenever he says, you know, I'm going to, I can build this coil and everything. And mm-hmm. JP Morgan's like rubbing his hands together going, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money. And then like at the big debut, he goes, well, it's going to be free for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Free and, energy. And Morgan's like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. What do you mean free? Yeah. So anyway, let's go back to the yeah, Westinghouse. Uh, exactly. I mean, it's a uh, it's a crazy uh, idea. This free energy. You know, he had the idea and was able to do it. It just took a lot of money to do it. Um, you know, he realized that there was a atmospheric conditions that are around us all the time that you could charge those particles wirelessly. You know, through a Tesla coil, and essentially everything in your home would be charged, or you could plug into the wall, and your wall, and you're not plugged into anything. You know, your phones would always be 100% fully charged. This was his idea way back then. And he was successful doing it. It just that had no capital to do it. Um, pretty soon afterwards, so Westinghouse is back to doing his thing. He was successful with his, uh, you know, the, the electric company. But by 1907, a uh, kind of a stock market crash happens. He starts losing a lot of this money that he was uh, putting into his companies. And, and J.P. Morgan himself called the loan and put Westinghouse out of business. And he had to forfeit his entire electrical capital to J.P. Morgan, the same man who also did this to Tesla and also did this to Edison. And also made Andrew Carnegie the richest, richest man on earth. Yeah. yeah, so it was a uh, an interesting kind of side note how um, he, by the time it was all done and over with, the only company that Westing, George Westinghouse himself was a CEO of towards the end of his life was the good old-fashioned WAPCO, the Westinghouse Air Brake Company. Which is well, the first, first one he started. And it still operates today. As still operates today. When, what's it called? WabTech. Yeah, WabTech today. Um, later in life, he, he did tinker with other inventions. Okay. In 1910, he was being chauffeured in a car and it was such a bumpy ride with the roads and conditions. He's like, you know what? I could use this compressed air system on a car. And he invented what we, today we call shock absorbers. So um, there's that. Uh, he gets sick, um, failing health, and he ends up dying in 1914 at the age of 68. Tesla, on the other hand, lives on. This time, he's also broke, basically almost homeless, living in a hotel called the Hotel New Yorker in New York, and um, starts reaching out to Westinghouse as kind of like a consultant or an advisor, uh, even though by this time, West, uh, Tesla was himself was getting to be an old man. In fact, there's a story in 1935, right, that he was uh, – Tesla was hit by a car, a taxi cab, while walking down the street or whatever, because he used to go every day and feed the pigeons or something, and uh, broke some of his ribs and was in bad shape. He ended up uh, um, writing to Westinghouse, the company, you know, and Westinghouse, the company, uh, ended up paying Tesla $125 a week just to be around and his room and board for the rest of his life. Okay, so... Uh, Pittsburgh was involved heavily, in other words, uh, in Tesla and his uh, his whole, you know, the future of him. When it's all said and done, okay, the uh, Tesla ends up getting 278 known patents to his name. Westinghouse, over 300. The man. Himself. Himself. Edison, on the other hand, 1,084 patents. Yeah, but how many of those are really him? They say, you know, most historians, under under 250. Um, to put that in perspective, there's a man today, alive today from Japan, named Shunpei Yamazaki. Now, you might not know his name, but he invented the LCD technology, which we use in all computers and TVs. And all, he also invented the USB flash drive. He also invented a couple other things. Guess how many patents this guy got to his name? 
10. 5,497. 10, okay. 5,000, yeah, that's five times more than Edison. Well, basically, Edison, Tesla, and Westinghouse combined. Uh, So people do exist out there, if you know where to look. These people are still alive. Uh, In fact, uh, it's crazy. (laughs) What do you think about that one? I mean, I think he has a little bit more of an advantage, though, because of right now in front of me, there are three computer screens, Mm -hmm. and they're all doing different things. And I also have four microphones in front of me. Right. And I think, you know, the the fact that there are computers now, he now has more opportunities to try and improve that. Everybody, every time someone builds a new computer screen and you have to use this technology, he gets paid. You know, so it's kind of the, uh, you know, someone puts a, you know, makes your invention a little bit better. Or then you, in turn, make that even a little bit more better. So you repatent, and that's all, you get so many patents. Um but yeah, I thought that blew my mind uh, when I found that guy. I had that many, but yeah, uh, technically the 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 total three hundred and sixty patents is how many Westinghouse had compared to two hundred and seventy eight from Tesla. So let that sink in. Um, and weird. his legacy lives on today. Now you know what's funny about Tesla is that a lot of people just you know after he died he he was well known you know of course, but after he died people just started forgetting about him. And uh, by the 1950s, if you were to go around and say, you know, the name Nikola Tesla, people wouldn't know who you're talking about. Well, he kind of he became internet famous in the <laughs> exactly. early 2000s. Yeah, early, you know, late 1990s, early 2000s, uh, you know, during these anniversaries of all these big events that were happening, the World Fair '93, you know, 1993, people started thinking about that again, and uh, you started becoming more of a public figure, which we know him today as like kind of like that, you know, that uh, he's almost idolized. In pop culture, you know, as being like the king of electricity. But meanwhile, we have George <laughs> Westinghouse. Technically, George Westinghouse should be that that guy. Um, he wasn't as sexy, though, in the sense that he wasn't. He had a big that, mustache. He wasn't that right? man about town. He didn't nope. have that bravado. He, he was just stayed a behind guy. closed doors. Yeah, exactly. And took care of his employees. Yeah, stayed married his entire life. He had one child, George Westinghouse III, uh, who in turn had six kids, uh, but uh, who are still alive today. Uh, but the. Uh, it's interesting to see kind of like that that difference, and he just didn't want the fame, uh, but he, in essence, deserved it uh, that and more. And yet in Pittsburgh, here it was a big controversy. Not controversy, it was a big deal when Westinghouse moved from the east up to Cranberry. Yeah, you know, a handful of years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You and know, all the nuclear stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're still going on today. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like I said at the very very beginning, like. Most people know the Westinghouse name because of all the stuff that's in your in your own home. I mean, I, I when I was growing up, I'd look at my fan when I didn't have air conditioning, and it was a Westinghouse fan that was going back and forth, right. keeping me cool when it was 90 degrees in, yeah. in July. Yeah, I mean, that's how important Westinghouse, the corporation, became. Growing up listening to KDK Radio, it was a Group W, a Westinghouse Foundation. Yeah, yeah, and I mean— they're the reason why we're on the, you know, why you can hear us today. I yeah. mean, partly. So, I mean, that that's how deep the connection Westinghouse has with technology in the 20th century. And this is all after he's gone, everything we're talking about yeah. right now. Yeah, how crazy is that? But, th- I mean, think about all the accomplishments that he had just during his brief time, you know, and, and what he could have done and, and what he did do. I mean, it was it blew my mind um, being involved with all these different kind of entrepreneurial type things. And it makes you look at people like, Elon Musk or people like that today that are doing similar things. You know, if, if there is a comparison to be made, right, Elon Musk is the guy. 
you know, first year with just cool looking cars, right? Then all of a sudden self-driving cars, all of a sudden you want to go over the Mars, right? Then all of a sudden you want to do solar lighting. You know, all of a sudden you want to do all these different things. Like it's the same concept, same idea. He invests all of his money. He doesn't care what people think. He puts all of his money in a new project, even if it's losing him money because he believes in the idea. And that's what Westinghouse did. I think that's interesting. I know we can't do it, but if we would, were to take Westinghouse and just put him in to today and see what he could do oh. with the technology that, that exists. It would be unlimited. Uh, I mean, he's, he's such a brilliant mind that um, who knows what he would have been capable of. Any of these people, really. And uh, I'm going to leave you with a pretty credible document. And um, this is a, a letter that Nikola Tesla himself wrote about George Westinghouse at the end of Westinghouse's life. He uh, submitted this really, really nice article to uh, a magazine. And uh, I'm going to read it to you verbatim. And uh, this will give you a good impression of Tesla as a man and also who Westinghouse really was and how Tesla looked upon him. So it begins. The first impressions are those to which we cling most to in later life. I like to think of George Westinghouse as he appeared to me in 1888 as a 41-year-old man while I saw him for the first time. The tremendous potential energy of a man had only in part taken kinetic form, but even to a superficial observer, the latent force was manifest. A powerful frame, well-proportioned, with every joint in working order, an eye as clear as a crystal, a quick and springy step, he presented a rare example of health and strength. Like a lion in a forest, he breathed deep and with delight the smoky air of his factories. Through, though past forty then, he still had the enthusiasm of a youth, youthful man. Always smiling, affable and polite, he stood in marked contrast to the rough and ruddy men that I have met. Not one word which would have been objectionable, not a gesture which might have offended. One could imagine him as moving in the atmosphere of a court, so perfect with his bearing and manner and speech. In no, no fiercer adversary than Westinghouse could have been found when he was aroused. An athlete in ordinary life, he was transformed into a giant when confronted with difficulties which seemed unsurmountable. He enjoyed the struggle and never lost confidence. When others would give up in despair, he triumphed. Had he been transferred to another planet with everything against him, he would have worked out his salvation. His equipment was such as to make him win easily a position of captain among captains, leader among leaders. His was a wonderful career filled with remarkable achievements. He gave to the world a number of valuable inventions and improvements, created new industries, advanced the mechanical and electrical arts, and improved in many ways the conditions of modern life. He was a great pioneer and builder whose work was of far-reaching effect of his time and whose name will live long in the memory of men. Signed, Nikola Tesla. And that's it for Pitt.